take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. The facts of life. There's a time you gotta go and show you grow, and now you know about the facts of life. The facts of life. I love that line. There's a time you've got to go and show you've grown. Because that's the facts of life. And and let's apply that to pinball on episode 350 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Wow, we've made it 350 episodes. Unbelievable. Uh, we don't have anything special here other than another great episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Now, when we talk about the facts of pinball, there, that's what I want to talk about on this episode. There's just things that we all know to be true. We might wish it to be different. Uh, But there comes a time when we have to accept reality. And I think the ultimate reality in all of pinball is that making pinball is not easy. And it's something that we talk about all the time. Every time there's a new manufacturer, we wonder, will it be different this time? Will they make games quickly? Will they ship games close to reveal? Will they get manufacturing down? Right? All this stuff. Will they bring back pinball magic to pinball? The fact of the matter is this. The majority of pinball companies, this is, these are facts, the majority of new pinball companies have failed. They failed to deliver on their promises. They failed to ship games on time. They failed to hold up their end of the bargain. And a lot of those failures have led many people to lose their love of the hobby. It's caused many people to be frustrated and to spend years wondering if they're ever gonna get what they pay for. Now, Deep Root Pinball, the facts of life. They told us all these things they were gonna do in 2019, and it's clear now that there are delays. And that's another fact about pinball, is that delays will happen. And delays will occur in areas in which you probably least expect it. Now, Robert Mueller responded yesterday, and I wanna read what he wrote on Pinside, because whenever he chimes in, He does always get a lot of upvotes. He has 22 upvotes and only one downvote. Wow. I don't know how you downvote this post, but let me read you what Robert wrote. He said, I can't believe I have to remind users here on Pinside or listeners of podcasts to assume anything posted or disseminated as fact by anyone other than me personally is guaranteed to be nothing more than um." unsubstantiated speculation. Well, let me stop right there. So I love Robert. I love the I love this arrogance. You have to say that this is a, a crazy arrogant statement that facts by anyone other than Robert are not facts. Now, ironically, I titled this show Facts of Life before even reading this whole thing. Uh, but the fact of the matter is this. If Robert wants to say that all of the facts will be disseminated by him, then what about all of those facts he gave us about 2019 and Deep Root Pinball, right? Most games ever released by any manufacturer in a year. Everyone's going to get their games within two weeks. Everyone's going to see their games by June 30th. Like Those are the facts by which he said we should believe in. Okay. He then goes on to say, letters went out to a few Zidware customers that said nothing more than, paraphrasing, get in the contract sent to you last year by May 31st or else your claim will be denied. We plan to make a statement on or about June 1st regarding Zidware claims. A statement will also be made as to the launch date 
of Deep Root, a date we've spent a lot of time ensuring will be met. Here's the best part. Will be met this time. Okay, so this time it's for real. Last time it wasn't accurate, but this time we're going to get it right. Um, he, he then goes on to say, and I get a shout out. He says, lastly, I agree with Canada that it is not fair that people are holding money back from making other purchases, pinball or otherwise, expecting us to imminently launch. We won't be. I've said two things from the beginning. Pinball is easy. Everything that goes into making pinball is not. We will launch when we are ready and no sooner. And that gets 22 upvotes and one downvote. Okay. So is Robert confirming for us that launch is not imminent? So now we can, I think, say with certainty that June 30th uh, is not going to be a date in which we see Deep Root games end up in people's homes. Okay, now the sort of the target is shifting again. Now it's about if you have a Zidware claim, you need to make your claim by June 1st or you forfeit it. But the, the whole thing to me starts to feel a little wonky. And no, I'm not talking about Willy Wonky. I'm talking about this. I'm talking about you had a contract with people. You promised a date by which they would have their games. You clearly sound like you're not going to deliver the games by then. Okay, so, so then what happens now, right? This becomes another guessing game by people. And for those of you out there in the pinball world, are you not tired of guessing when these new companies are actually going to deliver what they say? And it's not just Robert. We've seen this so many times before in which people are left wondering what's happening. Now, look, the reason why this gets 22 upvotes and one downvote is nobody has pre-ordered a game by Deep Root and nobody was expecting shipment by June 30th. If Robert had taken consumer money uh, and taken pre-orders, that comment would be the complete opposite. He'd have 22 downvotes and one upvote. Uh, so that's that's where we're at. And he's smart. He's smart. He took investor money. This is how it's supposed to be. I think everybody woke up to the reality of uh, the customer is not also the investor when you're starting a business. Uh, people, you can't do pinball like with some Kickstarter fashion. So Robert, Robert realized that, and he got external money to fund the company. Okay. So if shipping is not imminent, then when is Deep Root going to show themselves to the world? Is it going to be Expo? Is it going to be TPF next year? How can they keep going all these months, burning all this money, and then expect to sell games around $5,000? Now, maybe $5,000 isn't the price. Maybe that's just the credit by which the Zidware customer uh, is given. And that's not what the games are going to cost. I don't know. The whole thing, the whole thing it leads me to believe that maybe we should just all go quiet, stop talking about Deep Root, and just wait until they say something. Because there's nothing really left to speculate now, right? I mean, all we know is that only Robert has the facts, according to Robert. And we have to wait for him to disseminate the facts. And anything you hear on a podcast like this one isn't a fact because it didn't come from Robert. So let's leave it at that. And I think Deep Root is going to, I, I, I don't know, part of me, if I'm going to be completely blunt with everybody, uh, blowing by these deadlines and missing the mark shows me one thing. It shows me they did not know exactly what it would take 
to do what they said they were going to do. And it really makes me wonder why they ever even spoke at Expo and why they spoke at Comic-Con. And I think they're biting off probably probably a little bit more than they can chew. And now they're trying to scramble to realize like well, why, 12 Whitewoods, like maybe just two or three is good enough. All right. So we'll see, though. I, I again, I don't I, this is like I, I'm reviewing a blank movie. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to a song on mute. I don't I don't have anything else to give you. I wish I did, but we can still spend the time talking about the other pinball companies that are actually putting real stuff in boxes. So let's go on to something else. Let's talk about the Ghostbusters code, which is now 28 months people have been waiting since Stern Pinball themselves said they would update the Ghostbusters code. And there are a lot of people who own Ghostbusters. Uh, who are really frustrated. And there are a lot of people who own Ghostbusters who don't care. I do think there's a little bit of a civil war happening between Ghostbusters owners. Uh, But I do know this. Stern said they would update the code and Dwight hasn't touched it. Now, it's leading people to ask a very simple question. What is Dwight's issue with finishing code? And does he have an attitude of when I consider it done, it's done. And even if there is stuff missing from a game or, or even if there are bugs, I don't care. I've moved on. I'm on the next project. Take it for what it is and we're on to the next. Uh, does it also indicate that Stern Pinball is a company that's run by investors? And why would they invest current resources in a game that's already sold thousands of units? You're not going to sell any more Ghostbusters now at this point, right? Everyone who has one has one. The reason why they know that they won't see any new Ghostbusters dollars is is quite simple. It is look at the resale value of Ghostbusters. You can now get one for one to two thousand dollars less than they were new. So why would Stern and Stern's not going to see that money if they make the code better and the game improves? So we're at the point now. Where financially are the investors like, no, Dwight, you're you're on Monsters right now and the next game. You're not looking back. We don't look back. Now, what I don't understand is this. I believe Stern hired a lot of new programmers, right? We've got Tim Sexton coding, but we have we have other programmers they've hired. Why aren't those people looking back at games like Ghostbusters and applying their efforts to it and just finishing it? And, and, and I'm, I'm just going to say this. I bet some of these new coders probably are better than Dwight. And I don't mean that to be negative towards Dwight, but Dwight is now at the bottom, at the bottom of people's favorite when it comes to coders. And I think people are also realizing more than ever, and I, I think the coder now, when it comes to Stern Games, whoever's coding it is most important, uh, almost more than the designer. And that speaks to where Stern is as a pinball company these days because you're never going to get like some radically crazy design or some radical mechanism, uh, but the code is the only hope you have of the game being great. It really is because you're going to get cookie cutter layouts. So then you want to make sure you get code that's great. And I think the census is up on Munsters. The code is not great. The, the objective of the game is kind of strange. It's all about canceling jackpots. Uh, but what really bums me out about Munsters, and I read this from people, the show you love, the show you love is not coming through in the code. It's just not. It does not follow the same kind of amazing path the way Batman does. And I think Batman 66 set the bar for how people want to see like a classic TV show integrated into a pinball machine. And I think Munsters falls very, very short of that. 
And Lyman is just the all-star over at Stern. Like, there are many people, me included, the only Stern games I would buy are, are, are games that are coded by Lyman Sheets. He's just that much better than everybody else. And he takes the time. Now, that that's the other part is, well, it takes Lyman years, though, to get it right. I mean, two years to get Batman where it's at. And there's new Batman code coming. How incredible is that? I'm super excited because now it's where like the amazing Lyman polish happens, the icing on the already delicious cake. And this is where Lyman is going to take a game like Batman and take it to an even higher level. Now, I, I, can, I, I kept my Batman 66 for now. I'm going to talk a little bit about why I did that. It has something to do with Willy Wonka and when I think it's shipping. But my Batman 66 SLE, I still have it. If you are interested in one, I would consider an offer. I had a guy on the line who was ready to buy it. He got impatient and bought another one. And I told him, I'm like, well, what would you pay for it? He's like, he won't tell me. Which leads me to believe he was probably going to pay what he offered me, which was 18000 But what he doesn't realize is he bought a game with absolutely nothing in it. So good luck on the journey now trying to, you know, Put, you have to put like almost $2,000 in mods to make it look the way mine does. Uh, but that's that's what pinball collectors are like, man. They're impatient. This guy also ran and bought a Woe Nelly right away. I and mean, he's like, what do you think of Woe Nelly? I'm like, I think the game sucks. He's like, well, I just bought one. I'm like, why? I, 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 love, I love some of these rich collectors. They don't even like, they don't even research like if a game is good or not, if they, they like it or not. They, if it just looks pretty, they buy it. All right, what else is going on? So how well do you think Black Knight is selling all right but before i talk about that i want to talk about how awesome it was that steve ritchie chimed in on three issues the game was having and gave people how to solve the issues there was one on the right rail the there if there was a screw sticking up a little bit the ball would pop off the rail he gave a fix for that a fix for like the shield issue with the spring uh, and one other thing and i just thought it was really cool I liked also that he talked about how the game is supposed to be set up at a certain level. And if you make it steeper than the game was designed to be, you're going to remove a lot of the back and forth or, or left and right action of the ball, which is what the game was designed for. And you're also making it easier uh, to trap the ball because I guess when you make it steeper too, there's more time to react uh, to the ball coming down. Is that Does that make, make sense? Like it, the, the distance of a play field can't get bigger because it's steeper. Uh, but I thought that was really cool that a designer chimes in and says, hey, we designed it to be like this. But look, once you own the game, you can set it up any way you want. But how well do we think Black Knight is selling? Uh, we don't know. We never know with Stern Games. But I have to assume that Black Knight is really not selling very well. And I, I think there's a few reasons for that. I, I, I do think the game is pretty barren. I think when you walk up to it, there's not much in it. It's hard, hard to look over a Black Knight and be like, yeah, take my money now. Look at all the stuff they put into this game. It's also a theme that a lot of people just don't care about. Uh, unless you grew up with the Black Knight series, I don't really think this is a game that has a built-in audience that's very large. I also think Stern got arrogant. I think they got arrogant on the number of LEs. Because I think Stern is smart. I think they use the LE as the sort of as the lead duck in, in 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 the sales team right if you think about all of stern's like models that they're flying out into the world the le sets the tone for how they want to create the demand for the game and i think by saying they were making 600 black knight le's i think they showed their cards uh to be it's like they went in and they had 
a pair of a, a two and a three and they went all in on, on 600 LEs. And I think that was just a silly move. And I think people are like, I don't need to rush to buy this and I'll just wait. And this game's going to be available forever. And it still is like that when, when a Stern LE does not sell out immediately, it usually means that the game is not in super high demand because they're the only company, think about it, that puts games out in volume quickly after reveal. And there are way more than five or 600 you know, hardcore pinball collectors in the world. And if the game is a home run, those get gobbled up really quickly. I mean, Stern sold every Munsters LE right away. They sold all of them right away. We're now starting to see Munsters LEs for sale for like $8,000. And I think, again, it just goes to show that, you know, people bought Munsters just because they saw how sexy it looked. Now they're realizing it's not a game they want to keep. Um, but Black Knight, LE, no way they're selling 600 of them. Um, and, and then in general, there's just not much in the game. And I think that's going to keep this title from selling very well. Uh, I think that will lead Stern to show us their next title pretty soon uh, because this game is not going to be flying off the line for a very long time, all right? All right, so what else do I want to talk about? There's still no Star Wars topper. The embarrassing, the embarrassment level of that continues to get better and better every May 4th we pass. It's been, what, now two years since Star Wars has been out almost? I think it's two years in July, and still no topper. I mean, who who's over at the topper department at Stern that just should get fired for this? But isn't Stern so delinquent on all their toppers? Think about it. Where's the Munsters topper? We know it's like the cuckoo clock. We saw the promo of it. Uh, or the or the prototype of it, but that's not out still. I don't understand why they can't get the toppers and the games lined up on launch. Like it just it just it makes absolutely no sense. And, you know, and and we we used to get sometimes we used to get the topper with the game. Now you get nothing. It, it's a it's a revenue driver, uh, but it just makes no sense to me that the toppers are always like delayed by months. All right, all right. What else is going on? Did Stern Pinball sell off? Tomatic Entertainment, a Brazilian distribution company. I don't know. You know, there's a lot of rumors about this happening. Some people are saying this is significant, that if Stern sold off Tomatic Entertainment, then Gary's just a figurehead and things are going to change at Stern. Let me tell you something. Stern was acquired by investors, I think it was like 2007, 2008. Gary's been just a figurehead for the company forever, for like over 10 years now. So if you think Gary Stern is calling the shots over at Stern Pinball, uh, you're wrong. I mean, he's, of course he still has say, but this company is driven by investors. And so if they were to sell at the peak, like right now, I think it's a smart move. Think about it. If you're Gomez and Gary, you know this is not going to last forever. Like this pinball manufacturing business is at its last moment of peaking. It is. And you know this is this gravy train's not going to last forever. You want to sell your company when your books look the best. And right now, Stern books look the best. They are making the most profit they've ever made. Uh, the games are going out across the world. They have more buyers, more distributors, more countries that are acquiring Stern machines. The volumes are probably are increasing each year. Now's a good time to sell. Now's when you sell, when the market is hot. You don't sell when the market cools down. So I wouldn't be surprised if Stern Pinball has sold. But I also don't think that will change anything, anything. Because I think Stern is already driven by investors who are cutting so many corners when it comes to putting stuff in these games. They're not going to change a thing. They're going to keep charging you $9,000 for $3,000 machines. And we're going to keep repeating that on this podcast because it never gets old. All right. So here's why I still have my Batman 66 SLE. 
because as you know, I'm buying a Willy Wonka collector's edition. Now, here's what I'm hearing. And people have asked people at JJP, I'll send an email to Jack, but I'm hearing the collector's editions of Willy Wonka uh, will not come out until the fall. So we're looking at September, October for the collector's editions. And this is another fact of pinball. And this is probably the ultimate fact of pinball that I don't understand why manufacturers can't get this right. You sell your most expensive version of your machine. You sell it first. It makes no sense to sell the collector's editions of Willy Wonka at the end of the, the run in year one. Right, Jack is doing the complete opposite of what any smart marketer would do. You take the money that is the most money first, and here's why you do it. And I, I'm just getting to the point now where I don't even I don't even know why I do this podcast and give marketing advice because nobody listens to it. Maybe those those billionaire investors. How do these guys get so smart and become billionaires when they don't understand the very principles of marketing? You know, and here's 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 why I think is happening. I think you've got Pat Lawler's, you know, his decision making on one end, and then you got my marketing advice on the other hand. See, I get that they want to put games on location first, and that's what Jack is going to do with this. They're going to put it out there like just like dialed in, and they're doing the same thing. They're going to put it on location, and Pat's going to visit and see if any issues arise with the game, um, and they're going to make any changes necessary based upon people playing the game. And look, I applaud that. I think it's fine if you do that because we, you know, living in, a, in an era in which there is no on-site testing for these expensive games is stupid. Stern knows that they 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 would lose hype if they did that, uh, but Pat Lawler is an advocate for doing that, and I do think it's great that they do that because I still think the only people that get burnt out on a new title and say the hype is gone, the hype is dead, the only people where that really happens are just the pin side hyper posters. And the people who follow every pinball podcast, the pinball podcasters who need news every week, these are the guys who get burned out and say the, the hype is gone and no one's going to want it. But 95% of people who are going to buy a Willy Wonka aren't going to care that it was on location. They're not even going to know it was really out yet or they haven't played it yet. And the game will still be new to them when they buy it, all right, or when they see it at a distributor for the first time. Now, so they're going to do that. Now, look, their, their thinking is this. We put that out there. We find issues with the game. We make the standard editions. We get the standard editions out on location. Then we make the limited edition games or, or, or bulk of them. And then we make the collector's editions games. But here's the problem. You're going to sell a $12,500 Willy Wonka collector's edition. Okay, You're going to make 500 of them, which is the most collector's editions you've ever made. But you're going to make those people wait to the end of the line. And let me tell you something about rich people. They want to be at the front of the line. They want, to, they want to spend more money because they want immediate access. Think about it, Jack. When you buy a VIP concert ticket and you're buying like the, you know, the, the unskinny bop VIP poison concert ticket, why does every single VIP concert ticket come with one thing? Early access to the venue. You get to be there first. You maybe get to meet the band. You get special things. But you get to experience the game first. It's the same thing in everything in life. The most expensive people should get access first. Now, what did Jack do? The complete opposite. 
They get the back of the line. And I know what they're saying. Well, we want to make sure their games are going to be of the highest quality, and that's why they're doing it. No, Jack. No, like, we, you have enough time to make sure the quality is there. Um, and, and you shouldn't reveal the game until you feel like it's, it's ready to go in a box for a customer. The problem is this. You're asking 500 people to pay that amount of money, and they're going to watch all these LEs go out in front of them. Now, how many of those guys are going to bail and just say, you know what, like, I'll just go with an LE and I'll get it tomorrow. I'm not going to wait. Uh, it, it, you know, and then you're going to start to get them to scrutinize whether or not the collector's edition is worth it. And here's the thing. If you release the collector's editions first, they would sell out of all 500. Because, yes, there are 500 people who want Willy Wonka right away. There are 500 people that are on the fence between a CE and an LE. And all you're doing by delaying it is you're, you're losing the highest profit margin version of the game, which is the CE. And see how Stern does it? Why do you think the LEs ship immediately after the pros? Stern makes the pros first so they can get games on location. They hook you. It's out there. You can go play it. But they get the LE people their games immediately. And there's one reason why they do that. They lock in the high ticket item immediately. They don't give... The, the impulse collector, the rich guy who just wants the best version of it, they don't give him enough time to rethink his decision. The more time you give these guys to rethink their decision, the more customers you lose. The more time you give them to switch over to an LE of the game, the more CE buyers you lose. It's just such a bad decision. I mean, think about me. I went over there. I went over there with a check for $12,500. I love the game. You heard me. I hyped the game. I want the game. I want the game in my living room immediately. Jack said they're going to be on the game in, in four weeks to, to eight weeks. I want one in within four to eight weeks. You know, I feel like Veronica, I want it now, right? I want my game. I want my game. I have to wait six months now, and I have to keep up waiting in my excitement for six months. I have to watch other people unbox a cheaper version of the game and get to enjoy it four months in front of me, so I'm just on the sidelines with the most expensive bill. Now, that makes absolutely no sense, and that is why he's not going to sell out of the CEs, and he's just going to sit on them, and here's the other part, and and this this just kills me. This kills me because I do think Jack is a great guy, and and I really want Jersey Jack to succeed. Here's the other thing. I had a, a, a customer, not a customer, a fan of mine come up to me uh, on Facebook and said, hey, Chris, I got to tell you something. You know, Jack came up to me at, I went up to him at Allentown and Jack told me personally that Guns N' Roses is coming out next and we're going to see it in the fall. And, and it just makes me want to take this microphone, take this computer and huck it out the window. Like, what is Jack doing? Why is he telling people that Guns N' Roses is next? Why is he telling people when to expect they can see it? And I don't understand this. So you're going to reveal Guns N' Roses right when you need Willy Wonka orders to go out the door. So you, you once again, you've completely destroyed the sales of your collector's edition of Wonka because then you have your next game already in people's heads. And Jack knows that the facts of pinball are that hype disappears when the next title is shown. And we're like, we're like a school of fish that just moved to the next you know, new whale to attach ourselves to. That's how it works in this industry. And I, I, I almost, at my, I'm at the point, I'm just beyond frustrated. I mean, Willy Wonka is not even out. It's not even out yet. 
and and I have to go on the pin side and see a ton of mods available for it. Have you seen this ridiculousness? Like the mod couple, I love what they create, but why are they showing us all these Willy Wonka mods when the game is like two months away at at the earliest? I, I mean, w what is going on here? I mean, th this is absolutely, this is like the toy line being out two months before the movie's even in theaters. And, and, and how many carts in front of the horse are we going to get? You know, I, I don't, I don't want to look at Willy Wonka mods right now. I don't need, the game's not even available. You know, and, and what, how are these mods getting made? Like, did, the, did, the, did they get a game to make mods for so soon? Like, how are they figuring out, like, how to attach all these things to the game? Um, you know, and look, I, I think some of those mods are really cool if you've seen them. But, you know, they're, they're, but, but a lot of them are just not even, like, interactive. They don't light up. They don't move like the good egg, bad, bad egg. Like, if you're going to make a mod for good egg or bad egg and Willy Wonka, it needs to have the needle that moves between the both. It needs to be light up and be interactive, not just always be stuck on the good egg. And then you, the worst one I just saw is, like, the, they have this chocolate river one that goes in the upper left corner. When the ball goes up the Wonka Vader, it slides down the ramp. And then it actually goes, it, I actually like the way it drops through this like metal bracket that the ball like sort of zigzags back and forth. It's a really rewarding thing to see the way it drops down and it slows the ball down that way. And they've covered it up with what looks like, like someone took like diarrhea. Like it's like someone took a crap in your upper left part of your your, your game. I mean, look at it. it. It looks, that does not look like a chocolate river to me. And it also makes no sense is why are you putting a chocolate river like that's attached to the end of the Wonkavator move? Like you don't go up in the elevator and slide down the chocolate river. Like it just makes no sense. If anything, I would just design ramps to be the chocolate river and make decals that cover them that look like a chocolate river. But not don't put a big chocolate turd at the top of the play field like that. Like I just, ugh, the whole thing has me wanting to pull my hair out. It really does. Because once again, I think as much as we wanted them to live up to what they said they would do, which is not reveal a game until it's on the line. But it's just, I, I just, I don't know who's controlling Jersey Jack Pinball. And I think Pat Lawler almost has more control than Jack. And I, and I think they're once again, just, they haven't learned the facts of pinball. They haven't learned the lessons yet. And it shows again. Now, look, I'm still going to get a Willy Wonka, but here's the deal, right? Six months from now, what else is going to be out? I mean, I, I have to stay on the sideline with a $12,500 check for six months. It, it just, it makes no sense to me. I think Jack needs to announce that the collector's editions will be made after the standard editions. Sell every collector's edition, Jack, before you start making the LEs. Put the, put the people paying the most money at the front of the line, all right? They're the, that's where they're supposed to go. I mean, how many times can Stern Pinball show these companies this is how it's done, and then they go and do it their own way? I, I, I don't know about how you guys feel, but I'm beyond, I'm just beyond like frustrated with how it's just nothing, they, they don't listen to anything. All right. You don't tell people at Allentown that Guns N' Roses is next. You don't put the CE at the end of the line. All right. Oh, anything else going on in pinball? Uh, I saw someone say like Allentown sucked. Did you see that thread? Look, I know there was a long line at Allentown. Isn't that a good thing? Isn't that what you people want it? You wanted more people to get into pinball. I'm just lucky because Friday I was going to try to go to Allentown, get in early 
and then drive back for a four o'clock meeting. My goal was to just get right in at noon and then be back in the car by two. But it sounds like people got online and didn't even get in until like 1, 1 1.30. So wow, I'm glad I missed out on going there. Uh, I normally go, I just didn't work out this year, had too many other things going on. Uh, I got an email from Jerry over at Multimorphic. And Jerry's going to come on the show. We've got a list of things he wants to discuss. And this is going to be a little bit of a, you know, I I don't want to say like no holds barred because we always treat each other with respect. But I think this is going to be a little bit of a come to Jesus podcast between Jerry and myself. And, And I want to tell him what I think is the hard truth and the facts of what's going on around P3 Multimorphic. I want to hear from him. I think it's going to be a great discussion. It will always be a respectful discussion. Uh, But I want him to bring up all the points that he wants to discuss. So, Jerry, I know you're listening. That is what I want the podcast to be. I want you to sort of guide it. I want you to ask me all the questions that you want to ask and you want to discuss. And let's do it that way. All right. You sent me a bunch. And let's just go down the list and let's talk about it. All right. I think it's going to be an amazing show. And I'm going to be honest with you, man. And and I think it's a time for honesty uh, because... You know, the fact is, if you're not selling a lot, something's going wrong. And the fact is, you can make adjustments and you can change course and be super successful. A lot of companies out there tried to do it one way for many years and then they tried to do it another way and look what happened. You know, I always love the story of how Blockbuster, they had the ability to buy Netflix and change their business model for $20 million and they passed. Now there's only one blockbuster left in the world, all right? All right, anything else going on? Let me see if I have any new emails from you guys that I'm going to get to work. Do, 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 do. Don't you love Canada's Pinball Podcast? 350 episodes. Oh, there's so many podcasts out there right now. I'm trying to keep up with so many of them. Um, but I hope you're enjoying the show, guys. Uh, I'm back. I know I took a five-day break. It seemed like a lot. Let's see. I got an email from Jay McGuire. He says, Internet connectivity. Why not keep it simple and start out like Zen Pinball? Show me the top scores across all of the connected machines around the world and where my own score ranks on the list. And let me auto-upgrade my machine game code without having to do manual downloads on a USB stick. Jay. Well, Jay McGuire, that's a smart thing, right? Just Let's just do a leaderboard and updates. I think the updates and Wi-Fi just need to happen in every machine. Here's the thing, though. If there was a global leaderboard about who has the highest score in the pinball machine, I, I'll tell you right now whose name would be at the top of that global leaderboard. K-A-N-E-D-A. Canada. Yep, that's right. I'd take the glass off. I'd sit there all day long hitting switches. All day long. It'd be like 10 hours. It'd be like, I got 850 billion on Batman. Don't believe me? <laughs> glass is on. No, I mean, you'd have to have a system in which you disqualify people who clearly are like cheating or glasses off. Um, I, look, I think a leaderboard would be fun. I think it'd be cool. I, I think it's going to happen. I still think people thinking that there's no internet coming to pinball are silly. All right, I got an email from Brian. He said, going through withdrawals. Chris, hope you and your wife are doing great. I'm checking multiple times a day for new episodes. I'm going through withdrawals. Looking forward to hearing some new content. Keep up the great work. Always fun and entertaining. Well, Brian, we're back in the driver's seat. I'm sorry you went through withdrawals. 
It was fun taking a little bit of a break. It really was. All right, do do do. What else we got here? All right, so Doug Allentown show is the title. He says, "Have you ever seen a line like this to get into a pinball show? It wrapped around the parking lot and was a constant line for an hour and a half into the show. I've been going for almost 15 years and never seen it this bad. It's like everyone knows that Friday is the day to go and they take off work." and take their kids out of school. Ivan, the organizer, really needs to think about opening earlier than noon. I see why you guys will just bring in one pin for free play so they can get in before the crowd. Also, I wouldn't be surprised that there's also the reason for opening so late on Friday so that the people bringing games can get the deals and time on the new pins. Wonka was always at least 10 deep in line. I am all for more people getting into pinball, but this was a little absurd. The place was packed, and by the afternoon, there was someone on every machine. Oh, and the prices on the used and moldy, up, up, up. Also, Black Knight was cool, but not worth anywhere near 6K. One toy amongst a barren playfield, Don and PA. And he got, I have a picture here, which I'll make this picture, the, uh, my podcast picture today. How about that, Don? Um, yeah, look, it sounded like it was kind of a, a zoo to get in there. And it also sounded like there aren't as many games there, right? Only two Willy Wonkas, and that's why the line was so long. There's, this isn't like a Marco setup at, at a TPF where there's like 25 of them. It's why I avoid shows. And, and the other reason why I try to avoid shows too is I can go play these games for the most part in New York City at so many locations. It's also, if I want to play Wonka again, if I were if I were anyone out there, you want to play Wonka, hit up Jack. He'll invite you in. He's very, he opens his door to anyone who wants to come by and play the game now. And it's the same distance as Allentown. It's even shorter for me to go to JJP. I would just hit him up and go play it there. All right. So this has been episode 350 of Canada's Pinball Podcast, The Facts of Pinball. Ultimately, Ultimately, look, we all know there's one fact, that nobody is going to dethrone Stern anytime soon. Everyone else continues to sort of fumble the football and and can't quite cross the goal line with their pinball plans. Uh, Spooky Pinball's doing just fine, and we're not talking about them. Here's why we're not talking about Spooky, because I'm in the threads, people are getting their games, people are enjoying their games, I'm not seeing problems with the games. So when that happens, it's like, what else is there to say other than Spooky is delivering on what they promise to people and people are enjoying the game. It's almost as if you, if you don't hear yourself on Canada's Pinball Podcast, you know all is good in your company, right? You know, I mean, what else are we not, <laughs> you know, as I say that, like I haven't talked a lot about Pirates, but same, it's the same quality control sort of like ridiculousness on the pirates thread i still like part of me always wants to wake up and be like today's the day i'm gonna buy a pirate and then i read all of the issues they're all having i just can't do it anyway um the fact of the matter is this stern pinball will keep driving it jersey jack is always oh so close but they always make so many questionable moves that i just don't get it jack call me you've got my number now i will come over there but whoever made jack show this game so early Whoever made him do all these things, they don't know marketing. They don't know anything about marketing. I tend to believe it's the billionaire and his son, the guy reading from his cell phone when he's introducing his own company's game. That, to me, speaks volumes 
about how these guys know to market their games. They need to wake up. They need to wake up. It's not hard. It's not hard. They do all this hard work to make these games what they are, but then they fumble the release of them. It's amateur hour, and they've been in it for seven years. The fact of the matter is, it's really easy. Reveal your game, ship your game, ship the most expensive version of your game, do all of that within the first two months, and you will be a successful pinball company unless you make Team Pinball's The Mafia. Have a good day, everybody. You got-